Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. I think we've got a fairly packed show coming up. Gail and I both have a number of updates that we want to discuss to what we've been reading. I think that we might both be listening to the same book. As we will do with each show, we have some follow-ups on big fall books that we're looking forward to, and also updates if we've read any of them. And we're going to talk about banned books, which was actually, it's, um, I think the last day was Saturday, but it's still, we, we felt like it was worth discussing. So even though we are a little bit late, we're going to get into a little bit of that as well. So Gail, why don't you start us off on what you've been reading lately? Sure. So I finished a book that I think you just finished. I'm reading a book that you read recently, and we're listening to the same audiobooks. This is like the stars have aligned for us. It doesn't happen that often. Now, listening to the same audiobook is sort of, we should put parentheses around that because I listen to audiobooks so slowly. I'm so slow with them. <laughs> I'm pretty slow too, especially because my commute is now shorter than it was before. So. so we might not even be discussing this book for a month, but we, we, ha- we have begun. It is Mary B. by Catherine Chen, and it is the story of Mary Bennett, the much maligned middle sister of the Bennetts, um, Jane, Elizabeth, Mary, Charlotte, I mean, Kitty and Lydia. So this is, of course, uh, yet another franchise extension of Pride and Prejudice. And um, poor Mary is really portrayed very, um, very poorly in the book. She's, you know, uh, antisocial and bookish and <laughs> likes music and can't, but doesn't, can't carry a tune. It's not a very good piano player, although she sort of deludes herself into thinking that she is. She's humorless and doesn't like to have any fun. I think that's pretty typical of Mary across all of the iterations that we've seen of Pride and Prejudice. Right. Even in, um, even in Eligible, she's uh, like this eternal grad student who's, like you know never goes out and doesn't doesn't have any fun so this book is told from the perspective of mary and one thing i really like about is it's told it's written in the style of jane austen so it's written in old-fashioned english i guess when did when did pride and prejudice come out in 1700s i think so late 1700s Yeah. yeah so it's written the woman who wrote it Catherine chen has clearly done her research because it's um it feels very authentic. And it's all about Mary and her interior life and how she does, in fact, like men and have crushes and have hopes of getting married. And she does feel offended by the things her sister says, sisters say and do to her. Surprise, she's a person. She's a person. Um, I'm, I'm about a third of the way through, and I'm finding it pretty fun. I... Just, I think like many people, I can't get enough of Pride and Prejudice. I just, I can't. It's never enough. What is it about this book? Actually, it was published in 1813. So. Oh, okay. So we were a couple, 50 years or too early. I I can't, I don't know what it is about this book that it's just, 
you know, and it's funny because I feel like obviously the what's the most compelling part about Pride and Prejudice is the relationship between Lizzie and Darcy. Mary B doesn't have a whole lot to do with Darcy. He does figure in this book. He she interacts with him quite a bit. But this isn't about Lizzie and Darcy. This is about Mary. And yet I still Yeah, we still like eating it up. Right. Yeah. Anyone who's related to them. You know, I've read books of their future children (laughs) (laughs) with stories, you know. Um, of course, yeah. what happens after them. But, yeah, anything with the sisters, their servants, just anything you can serve up. Um, oh, my God, the servants, right, Longbourn. That was a whole other book. Right. Nothing to do with the Bennets. It was just about <laughs> Sarah who lived in the servants' quarters. But, yeah. Okay, right. so how are you liking this one? I like it. I mean, I thought I would. I remember we mentioned it last week and when we first uh, figured out that we could both get our hands on the print and the audio and we were going to read it. You were saying that you had sort of been seeing some mixed reviews, and I was thinking that I was probably going to like it because I tend to like the ones that, you know, stick to sort of the voice of the time, I would say. So if it sticks to the voice of the time, I'm pretty much all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm liking it so far. I mean, and I also really like that, you know, Catherine Chen is Asian American, and I just like that people of all walks of life are taking ownership of these stories as their stories and creating, you know, are using them as inspiration. Yeah. I'll I'll say. So that's really fun. Yeah. It's definitely fun. It's a good audio book. It's good for the car. It's keeps me engaged and interested and it goes pretty fast. You know, I did, I, I read some reviews of it when it first came out I do remember them being mixed. I don't remember what the complaints were. And I told myself I was going to wait until I finished it to go. Yeah. I don't want to see what the complaints are. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look, I'm just going to enjoy Mary and, you know, our glimpses at Lizzie and Darcy. And, and then, yeah. And we'll, we'll see how it goes. Have you read any of this in print so far? Um, I've kind of followed along in print a little bit, like I'll be waiting to pick up my daughter or something. And so I turn off the audio and pick up the print. So a little bit back and forth. Okay. Yeah, me too. All right. So what else are you reading? So I'm also reading, um, Ghosted, which is a book that I've read a lot of buzz about. And I saw your, I think, five-star review. It's probably more like four and a half. Goodreads does not allow for... I, I really liked it for um, just for that kind of book. It got a little bit slow in the beginning, so I think that's why it's not like sort of an enthusiastic five stars, but I really liked it. So Ghosted is about a woman who is in England visiting her family and meets a guy. And she's she's English, although she lives in California. She meets a guy. They have this amazing week together. Then he had a pre-planned trip. He goes off on his trip. She goes to see her parents. And she never hears from him again. Right. They're supposed to reunite in a week. And then she never hears from him again. He ghosts her. So uh, it's all about her feeling so confused. She's been ghosted. She's been ghosted. And I'm sure we'll find out what happens. But it's kind of a bit of a mystery and... That's I'm only like maybe 50 pages in right now. Yeah. So she is, you know, this is the love story sort of to end all love stories. I mean, they, they meet, they just really fall for each other. So it is just 
she can't let it go. Right. And in fact, doesn't it open with a letter that she's written to him 17 years later? Does it? Um, I it did. It's been a while for me, so I'm okay. not sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to read it. I needed something after the third book, which we'll discuss, that we, you and I both finished. I needed something that would be a little <laughs> faster paced, and uh, this seemed like it might fit the bill. Yeah, you're definitely going to be turning the pages. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was an interesting mix of sort of being a page turner, but at the same time being well-crafted and sort of intricate work. Good. Okay. Um, so the book you just finished up? <laughs> the book I just finished, which you just finished as well, is A Place for Us by Fatima Farheen Mirza. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, I read this for book club. You read this for book club. And... Um, we both, along with Sarah from Sarah's Bookshelves, lamented that it was very, very, very slow. Something about this book, it just, it took a long, long time to get through. But I will say, as you have said to me, it was a beautiful book. Yes. And um, I thought the last section, which is, the, there's four sections and it's kind of switches narration at the end, switches perspective that last section to me was by far the best. So totally worth waiting for. Do you think that was because that section was more linear or like, why do you think you, that section resonated with you so much? Well, certainly they were more, it was more linear. There's no question. Uh, and my complaint about the book, I don't mind that it jumped around in time a lot. I don't, that doesn't bother me. It's definitely a synchronous, like really. Yeah. But it was so repetitive. Like there were, I read somewhere that this author wrote this book over like eight or 10 years or something. And I feel like it could have been really tightened up. There was a lot of jumping around, but then there was so much repetition in explaining, like if you, if you, if you did the flashback, you don't then need to sum it up again in the present. Like it, it was, there was too, too many times I was hearing about the same events over and over again. The asynchrony was okay. Um, but I guess marginally confusing, but I just felt like there were a hundred pages could have been cut out of that book and it would still have been just as impactful. I thought it would have been better probably. Yeah. Yeah, That was my big complaint about the book. I think it was beautifully written. It's about this Muslim Indian family who has been estranged and they re-meet when the eldest daughter, um, Hadia, is marrying and she's super excited because she is actually marrying someone who she's chosen and her estranged brother comes to the wedding. So we see that this family is getting to reunite. We're not sure if they are going to be able to work through their differences and stay together. And the book basically just um, flashes back from the perspectives of everyone except for the middle sister, Huda, which I thought was an interesting choice. Um, which was something that we explored in my book club, you know, because she was the only one who didn't have a voice. Through most of the book, we don't hear from the dad, but he um, enters the book a bit later on, and, and, and we do get to hear from him. So it, it's just this unfolding, and basically a lot of it, I guess, focuses on what it's like to be first-generation um or to be immigrants, to be immigrant parents, to first-generation children, and some of those growing pains, especially with, you know, the religious differences and 
and I don't know, just the struggles of, you know, being young in a country and growing up in a culture that's so different from what's actually your mother country and how they all deal with it. So it is, it is beautifully written. It's quite an investment, you know, like I would say it's four stars just because like Gail says, it's, it's a good 50 to maybe a hundred pages too long. Yeah, for sure. Um, But if you like that slow, intricate storyline, I don't know that I found it repetitive because I found it different. I found it interesting to see it from, to see things from different perspectives, like how the sister might have viewed the same thing and how the mother, you know, like how they're all contributing in these, you know, how these tiny choices that they're making are like contributing to these big events in their lives. So. I was really interested in that. It still could have been shorter, but yeah, definitely worthwhile. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a little re- reminiscent to me of some Jupiter books in that it's you know that that kind of that struggle to reconcile kind of a, a, a different foreign um, way of life with an American way of life. I mean, that's a lot of what was going on. I think in the clashes between. Amar and his family um, was, you know, his rejection of sort of their traditional Muslim traditions. And what I, what I thought that the book really did a great job of exploring each individual family member's relationship with Amar and how it affected him, how they were all guilty in their own ways of alienating him and how they each tried to come to terms with his estrangement. Um, I, I, looking back at from the end, the structure of the book is sort of strange. The, how it opens with the wedding. Does it open with the wedding? It does. I can't it remember. opens with the wedding. Okay. So it opens with the wedding and then there's so much backstory and flashbacks, but then you go back to the wedding and then at the very end, you're way past the wedding. So it's sort of a strange narrative structure. And I don't know that that was the best way to tell this story, but it ended up being such a beautiful story that it, it kind of overcame, I think some of the narrative challenges. Right. All right. I read and I really loved it. I really loved it. It's, it's five. It's, I put it on good reasons, five stars. It's probably more 4.75 just because As with a lot of mysteries, I think that you find out a lot of information right at the end, but it was just so beautifully done and sort of like a time travel and a little bit like a romance. And it is The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. Ooh, tell us more about that. I'm intrigued. Oh my gosh, it's so good. So there are some things that they tell you that you will not learn in the first 50 pages of the book, which... It's always kind of disturbing to me because I feel like anything you tell me the first 50 pages of the book, fair game, fine. After that, I feel like it's kind of spoilery. But I see why they did do the description like this so that you can sort of know what's going on. So you are free to read the description if you want to, and you'll you'll know some things. But what I will say is that this story... And I guess it sort of gives you your your bearings in the story because this story begins with this man coming to himself in the woods, you know, like, I don't know if he's been sleeping or whatever, it's sort of in media res, but all of a sudden you are with this man in the woods, he has been injured, it seems like 
there is a woman in distress whom he's unable to save and he's lost his memory. Um, he gets a clue that he should head east and there he finds himself like in this large estate in England that is in, you know, where a party is underway. And so there, there are many guests staying in this party. And he basically, as the story unfolds, you find out that you get information that he is basically being given eight different opportunities to solve a crime that is going to happen in this house and at some point. So if he does not solve this crime, this woman dies. And there are also other incentives to him to um, being able to solve this crime. So he starts off in one body. And so it's sort of like a groundhog day kind of thing, because every day he's going to wake up in a different body. And he has to, before he has lived all of these lives over this 24 period, 24 hour period of time, he has to solve this murder. So it's sort of time travel-y. It's sort of like Groundhog Day. Like I said, there's elements of romance. It's just so well done. Um, it is, I don't know, this book is like 450 pages or something. I read it in a couple of days. Like I just could not put it down. I had other wow. things to do. And I would somehow find myself with this book in my hand, just reading a few more pages. Like really loved it. So where does it take place? It takes place on an estate in England. Like you, by the nature of this book, you spend a lot of time wondering where they are and what this place is because of how, you know, like someone's waking up as a different person and how their memories are connected. So you spend a lot of time pondering these things, like what is the nature of what's going on here? So that's a big part of the novel. But it is, you know seems like it's set to me like I went back and forth between what time period it was in um and it seems like it was I don't know maybe I mean the automobile is involved it cranks so maybe early 1900s English estate okay you're not sure that's one of the things that you will think about and figure out So the last book that I finished is Emma in the Night by Wendy Walker, (laughs) which if you've been listening to this podcast, you will remember (laughs) last summer I talked about this book all the time. I was super excited to read it because I really loved her book, All Is Not Forgotten. And, you know, it came out last summer. It's a mystery as to why I'm just reading it. Sometimes I feel like, you know, when authors, when you really like a book of theirs, sometimes I'm a little bit hesitant to get back in because it's like am I gonna like this book as much you know is this one that's really good so I don't know I procrastinated on it I finally read it I really enjoyed it like I really like the way she builds um the psychological aspects of her thrillers I mean I have I have seen reviews where people have said this is sort of boring she writes these mysteries where I don't think a lot happens like they're very contained But I like that they are usually about suburbia because I feel like a lot of mystery stories, we sort of other, we sort of other people and we sort of other mental illness or whatever. So, you know, you get these things where the the kids are adopted and, and there's things wrong and just lots of stuff that I feel like makes it something that puts it outside of our sphere. So I really like the way all of her novels are are firmly 
just within what we think of these things don't happen to normal people when in fact they do happen to normal people. So basically it is about these two um, teenagers, two teenage sisters who go missing. One comes back and then this psychologist has to figure out from the story that the returned sister is telling, like what's going on, like what's happened in this family and how have they possibly contribute to what's happened in the disappearance of these sisters. So I really enjoyed it. You like her a lot. You've mentioned her many times. I'm I do. still intrigued by that first one, the the one about the the, dr- the memory dr- erasing drug. Right. Yeah. I like her books. So now maybe I won't wait a year until the third one comes out. Um, well, good. All right. Well, we will report back in greater detail about Mary B. when we both finished it. And I can report back a little more on Ghosted. Um, so now let's get into a little bit of... Um, so we probably have discussed 15 to 20 books that we're looking forward to that are coming to, out in the fall. Of course, we are always discovering more. I found a couple that are, you know, that I'm really looking forward to. So just want to check into with you if you have anything else to add to our fall must-reads lists. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, why don't you start it, and I'll add some of mine, too. Okay, so Kate, is it Atkinson? Kate Atkinson has a new book called Transcription coming out, and she wrote, she writes these Jackson Brody mysteries, which I have not read, but people um, seem, to, they tend to think they're amazing. And I think that those have been adapted for the BBC, I read Life After Life, which I really enjoyed. That was her 2013 novel that is is sort of, that one is also sort of in an interesting way, time travel, because this woman, or Groundhog, well, yeah, sort of Groundhog Day, where this woman is reliving, like, I don't know, she dies, but she comes back, and she comes back at different points in her life, and so she... We follow a different path in her life each time that she comes back. So, but this one is actually a spy novel. And so I'm very interested in that. I never read Life After Life, but I wanted to. It was a good book. I mean, also very long. And I think in the beginning, it's a little bit of a slow starter because in the beginning, she, the, um, I think her name is Ursula. She has several deaths that happen very early so you spend a lot of time just reliving very similar moments or she just dies in childhood and sort of it it just starts all over again. But once you get past that and get into some of her longer lives, it's very interesting. Okay. So a book that I really want to read that I picked up at Book Expo with you is the memoir by Lisa Brennan Jobs, Steve Jobs' daughter. I feel like I've read so many reviews of this at this point. I've probably gleaned most of the like particularly shocking stuff in there, but um, you know, she's the oldest daughter of Steve Jobs. He spent a lot of his life denying that she existed or that he was her father. Um, and then when he did um, finally admit paternity, he was a very inconsistent father and did lots of questionable stuff. But um, I'm just intrigued to read it. I think she signed my copy at book expo and it's, really gotten a lot of interesting reviews since it came out maybe a week or two ago. So I'm, I'm adding that to my fall TBR list. 
Did you get this one too? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's called, oh, it's called Small Fry. Sorry, I don't think I said the name. Okay. I don't remember if I mentioned this. The Mermaid and Mrs. Hancock by Imogen Hermes Goar. I know I didn't mention it because I don't remember saying that name. That name is a mouthful. Um, so it's sort of, it's described as a fairy tale-ish novel set in 1780s London. It's very long. Sounds like something I would love. Um, there, the people who made Wolf Hall into a series for the BBC is also going to be working on this book. So I definitely know I want to read it sooner rather than later. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it would be your type of book. It, it says it's about a merchant who encounters a mermaid-like creature in 1780s London, reads like an irresistible, irresistible of the moment fairy tale. Like, I love stuff like that. So, I don't know. Mermaids, I don't know how you feel about mermaids. Yeah, I probably wouldn't read that. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest, right? I probably wouldn't read it. Yeah, that's funny, though. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What, and Haruki um, Murakami has a new book out. I probably will not read it, but Killing Commandat, Killing Commandator, Commandatory or Commandator. Hmm. It says he's back with his fourteenth novel translated into English. It's a two-part epic which follows a lonely painter whose discovery of hidden painting symbols leads him on a mystical quest. That's another one I probably wouldn't read. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, but one that I do want to read, okay. which does have some sort of mystical elements to it, is called The Dinner List. Mm. Um, this is another book I picked up at Book Expo, as did you, Rebecca Searle. And it came out on September 11th, and I've been reading about this book. And it's about a woman who assembles a dinner, a dinner party. I guess, and she ends up inviting some people from her past and Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> kind of random. Um, let's see if I can get the description because I don't think I'm giving it very That good. would seem rather light for me, but I'm hearing such good things about it that it's one of those books I'm just sort of, I feel like I should check out now. Yeah. It says people love it. People love it. It says, when Sabrina arrives at her 30th birthday, it's so funny, her name's Sabrina, because, of course, that's an Audrey Hepburn character. She finds at the table not just her best friend, but three significant people from her past and Audrey Hepburn. As the appetizers are served, wine poured, and dinner table conversation begins, it becomes clear there's a reason these six people have been gathered together. It calls this delightful magical realism. Uh, it says a story imbued with the same delightful magical realism as one day and the life changing romance of me before you. So of course I've read me before you. And one day, um, I think I read that too. Is that the one that's like, it checks on people every 20, same day, every every year, every year for 20 years. That wasn't magical realism. That was just, no, that was just life. Yeah. That was just magical realism. Um, well, weird. well, maybe certain aspects of, well, this definitely is magical realism because I thought that one of the people who goes to this dinner is not alive. Yeah. Yeah. No, this one is, but one day wasn't, this says the same delightful magical realism as one day. Oh, well. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. No, maybe they didn't really read one day <laughs> or maybe it's a different one day, but yeah, I, I remember one also day. also possible. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
So anyway, I tried to sell my book club on this one, but they picked a different book. Although they picked a book that you pointed out is not out yet. So maybe we'll revert back to this one. Uh, I want to read that book that's not out yet. I know. Well, we have it. Didn't you get it at Book Expo? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. You know, the, that cover, the book looks interesting, but it, it has one of those covers that I do not like. I do not like two people strolling down a lane on a cover. I don't like like two little kids sitting on a box on a cover. I almost always just toss those books. But <laughs> now this seems like this what? is really good. <laughs> But what about the book about the kids that they're trying to adopt? They're sitting on a box. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. That's essential to the plot. Right. <laughs> Just like you can't put them on the cover like that, though. Because I, oh, I won't want to read it. But the book we want to read has a woman looking off to the side. I don't think there's a. I don't, I don't think it fits in any of your no, band gonna, cover I'm, images. I'm going to look at it. Um, it's like a woman looking off to the side. What is it? The book is a called cloud A Cloud shape. in the Shape of a Girl. Okay. I'm going to look it up. There was something about it. I picked that one up because I've I've read another book by her that I really liked. Okay. You should have told me that. But I probably didn't tell you that I was going to talk. Well, yeah. It's like a woman looking off. She's surrounded by flowers. It's it's just no. But I will read it, but the cover um, bothers me. Yeah, the cover's not good. It's by Jean Thompson, though. She wrote a book called The Year We Left Home, I think it was, which I read many years ago and I really liked. Um. Another book that we picked up at Book Expo, which you were like, why are you taking this? And I said, I don't know. There's something about it. And now it's coming out. I'm reading all these very odd reviews of it. It's called Dream Daughter. Oh, is that um, Diane Diane. Chamberlain? It is. I didn't pick it up, but it was sent to me in the mail. Okay. So I got that at Book Expo and you were like, why are you reading that? It's totally not your type of book. But People are writing these amazing reviews about it, and nobody will share any details because they don't want to spoil it. Well, the interesting thing about her is that supposedly she's just amazing, and she writes these amazing books, and everyone's just super happy. She wrote The Stolen Marriage, which also has – she has these books with these women on the cover, and you just see their hair or the side of their face. I find those super annoying, so I know why I've never read a book by her and also why I said to you, why are you picking this up? But I have this, and like you said, there's a mystery about her books, and people just think they're amazing. I mean, has she? it's a 4.4 rating for this book. I know. People love it. I was just reading some review this morning. I don't remember who read it. Uh, <laughs> one of the people I follow. <laughs> and they were like, this is amazing, and I can't say any more about it. I can't tell you anything about it. Right. Just the... Just the sort of bad cover. Um, yeah. Okay, of, well, anyway, of like I, a I woman of, of feet or like sort of a torso walking. And then there's like these two reflections in in the water. I don't, yeah, and the title is just, I don't know. I know. But it's, it's like know. 1970s in Vietnam. So it might be our book, in, a kind of book that we would like in disguise. It is a rich, genre-spanning, breathtaking novel about one mother's quest to save her child, unite her family, and believe in the unbelievable. I mean, it does sound like one of those, like, kind of movies about people who go to heaven and see people, you know? like. And then I see the New York Times bestselling author Diane Chamberlain delivers a thrilling, mind-bending novel about one mother's journey to save her child. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not that into mother's journeys to save their children, but we'll see. All right. Well, maybe one of us will 
bite the bullet and <laughs> read it for the sake of the podcast. Um, do you have anything else for the fall? Um, no, I, I think I do have a few more, but I'm going to save them. We're going to like spool them out a few at a time. Okay. <laughs> There's a book I'm chasing. It oh, doesn't yeah, come out until January, I think. Um, it's called Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh, yeah, and that's it, right. You text me about that. Yeah, it's by Taylor Jenkins Reid, who I read two of her books this year. I had no idea this woman has such an enormous following, but she's all over the Spivey Book Club group. And um, Ashley did read this book, and she said it was amazing. And I really want to read it. It's about a uh, the, the, like this the type of thing I love. It's the behind the scenes of a 70s rock band. I know. The cover looks like you would love it. Yeah, it looks, I think it's based on Fleetwood Mac or maybe, yeah, I think it's based on Fleetwood Mac. So there's like incestuous relationships among the band members and it's totally up my alley. And I really do love Taylor Jenkins Reid so much that she just released a short story last week on Amazon and I read it. Like was it good? Ago. I just couldn't put it down. Yeah, it was really good. Huh. I, really I still like have her. the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which I have had been getting confused with the seven and a half deaths of <laughs> Evelyn Hardcastle. Right. Um, I you might know, read that. It has four and a half stars on Amazon. I know. I'm so mad at myself because that book was sitting out at Book Expo like two years ago, and I walked by it like seven times, and I kept picking it up, and I kept someone it put back it down. in my hands. It has one of those covers that we just. I mean, it's a woman with her head cut off, and like she has in, a green I, dress. I gave that to you because it's, it's old you? Hollywood. Yes, because right? it's, it's old Hollywood, which I don't like and you do. So I took that and handed it to you, knowing nothing about her. And now I've read like two other books by her and everyone keeps talking about how much they love that book, the one that we just talked about. I don't know, I'm not and crazy about old Hollywood, though. I'm sort of like – I like historical fiction. I think that's why you gave it to me. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I Now I'm really mad at myself that I didn't grab it. Um, well, if I can find it, maybe I'll send it back to you. I didn't that cover. <laughs> yeah, the cover is like, isn't she like wearing like a flapper dress or something? Yeah, she's like wearing this flowing green dress and there's like no head. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get into our band books now. Like last week was, was band books week. It ended last Saturday and I just saw it. But I don't know. Usually band books comes and it goes around and I'm sort of like aware of its passing. But I never really took a look at like what books are considered banned and why people challenge books. And I thought we would take a look at that and like briefly offer some comments on it. So we did a little bit of investigation. We dug up, I think I took a look at banned books dating back maybe till 10 years back and pretty much the same titles kept showing up in the top 10. Um, Where's my list now? And so they're books like, first of all, they're pretty cornerstone books that kept popping up. The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, The Hunger Games, The Hate You Give, which of course is more recent, but I feel like it's an instructive book and a book that's super important. The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexie, The Kite Runner by Khalid Hosseini, To Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> by Harper this Lee. This ridiculous. Um, what else? The Curious Incident of a Dog in the Nighttime, which I feel like was the first book that sort of offered the perspective of someone with autism and put what is him the in the middle reason? of history. Well, what is the possible reason to challenge that book? It says, I think I noted the reasons, religious viewpoint and unsuited for age group. 
So when we say banned books, so first of all, we're not like talking about bookstores or any place where you make choice. We're talking about um, books that show up in school libraries, I guess libraries and universities is where they say that these lists come from. So To Kill a Mockingbird, they said violence and the N-word. Um, Call it Husseini, it was homosexuality, which was a rape. Um, sexual yeah, I mean, violence leads to terrorism and promotes Islam. I mean... 13, I reasons, 13 reasons why it was a suicide. Yeah. That is the only book that's on this list that I can understand not necessarily wanting kids to read. I did read 13 Reasons Why, and it's, um, listen, I, I don't think that the answer to preventing suicide is to not talk about suicide. I don't think that's it at all. Um, this book, though, maybe presents suicide as a way out for certain issues that I think uh it could be suggestible to kids. Did like you, you and your think. girls watch the series or no? No. And I, they didn't watch it and I didn't encourage it. Right. Um, uh, do you censor them at all? I don't. Um, I wasn't I mean, listen, censored I, as a child either. No, I, my mom had no idea what I was reading. I, I wish my kids read more such that I had the opportunity to censor them. At this point, the most of the reading they're doing is assigned for school. Right. So I don't feel like I've got to worry too much about what they're reading. I mean, God, I gave but my I think daughter that this, eligible. This is where the challenges are coming in, where, you know, kid, parents are sort of looking at sometimes what their kids are reading in the classroom and saying, no, like if a teacher is sort of trying to engage students and maybe to talk about current events, she's bringing in something like The Hate You Give or... Right. The Bluest Eye or The Hunger Games or any of these books, which I think, you know, can be instructive on a number of issues. And the parents are, you know, like, what what's going on in here? They're saying the N-word. There's cursing. There's sex. Well, the right. Fifty Shades of Grey was on this list. And I'm just sort of like, okay. And one of the challenges to it was that it's just a bad book. Poorly written. Okay, well, that, that <laughs> I can understand. That's fine. But, like, I think something like The Kite Runner or um, Curious Incident, or even Absolute True Diary of a Part-Time Indian. These are books that give you perspective into whole other cultures that you don't see. You know, So whether it's Muslim Americans or autistic you know, kids on the spectrum or Native American population. Like these books I found to be incredibly eye-opening. And I mean, I actually had... My my kids read we read um, part uh, part time Indian for our mother daughter book club and like I thought that was a really good book for them to read. Now of course so they said it issues. was profanity and sexually explicit was why it was challenged. Yeah, I mean, and you also did you read I Am Jazz for your mother daughter? Yeah, book club? we did read I Am Jazz. That is the most in like anodyne book. I mean, granted, yes, it's about a transgender child. There is not a lot of sex in there. There is not a lot of graphic anything. It's well, it was because like, it was transgender. Yeah. So, okay. Gender, gender, identity, gender identity was the challenge. But like, but like the whole point is to understand gender identity and understand what it's like to be somebody who feels like they're in the wrong body. Like, I don't, I don't understand why you would ban that. But anyway, that book was, I mean, that is not a, that was not a particularly controversial book, I didn't think. So I just think 
that a lot of these choices reflect closed-mindedness that is afraid of exposing kids to non-traditional lifestyles or people who are not white Americans. And I think that's really sad. Now, something like 13 Reasons Why. You can talk a little bit. I can see a little bit. I can see the perspective a little more that you don't want to be... Like, I don't mind a book that discusses suicide. What I don't want is a book that glorifies suicide. Not that it did, but I... I don't think that that book, I think it exploited suicide. That's, I think that's my issue with it. It exploited it. It didn't, I don't mind the discussion of it, but it took advantage of it. And I think it like created a whole plot around it that it was unnecessary. I don't think it, I don't think it is a constructive discussion of suicide. Um, the rest of these got the kite runner. My God, the kite runner, like, Yes, it was. There was a rape in there. It does not promote Islam. It's just a book about characters who happen to be Muslim. I mean, if you want to like talk about books that are much more like sort of yeah, but any book can. I mean, any book that's about anything you could say was. I mean, you could say is promotion if you're going to take it as that being promoted. Anything. I mean, it doesn't promote anything more than anything. Any other book promotes whatever it's whatever subject matter is at the heart of the book. Right. No, I agree with that. So, yeah, I find this list super depressing. Um, what were your, what are your favorites? You said, I haven't read the absolutely true diary of, diary of a part-time Indian by Sherman Alexie. Sounds like you recommend that. That's something that's been on my list, you know, probably for years, but. It's fine. I mean, I think it's a YA book or oh, even a it? middle grade. It's or middle grade fiction. I mean, we read it. We read it probably two to three years ago when my kids must have been eleven. Like, mm. it's not. Um, okay, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was more adult. No, it's not. I mean, it's fine. I didn't. I didn't love it. His big issue is that he is gotten caught up in Me Too. Right. So I think that's my my complaint about Sherman Alexie is not his book, but more the stories I've read about how he's treated other authors. Um, oh, interesting. A Stolen Life by J.C. Duggard. I read that too. That's like her, her whole memoir about her kidnapping. I don't I, why was that challenged? Drugs, alcohol, smoking, offensive language, sexually explicit, unsuited for the age group. Okay, unsuited for the age group is the whole point of that book, was that she was kidnapped as a young girl and forced to live as like... You know, uh, sorry, that just seems completely ridiculous to ban it for that reason. Um, I have not read a lot of these books or a lot of the other ones in here. Captain Underpants, the Bone series. I mean, these are books I see in my kids' library all the time. And I just... Well, some parents want to snatch them out of there. Yeah. Well, that um, just makes me sad. We will link to these in the show notes. Um, the ALA does, um, they keep track of these books. Like we said, these books are the ones that we found that were the most challenged over 10 years. I, you know, just looking to get some understanding. Banned Books Week is something that um, the ALA calls attention to and has programming around every year. So... I mean, it's really interesting, too, because I think that this is sort of a very American thing. Like I noticed on one of the book clubs, discussion groups on Facebook, when um, Banned Books Week was mentioned, someone who was from Australia was just sort of like, what is this? Because we don't do that. 
you know, and just like looking for more information and clarification. So definitely check out the links if you are more interested in seeing, you know, like these lists run to like 250 books every year. So these are just the ones that, like I said, over the past 10 years keep popping up. Right. All right. Well, so on um, that somewhat low note. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The angry note. I'm all riled up now. Um, Happy controversial reading. Right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com, and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.